Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I entitled tonight's message, How to Get Out of the Fix You're In. How to Get Out of the Fix You're In. Does anybody understand what I mean about being in a fix? Amen. If the dictionary defines a fix, this is my, my computer dictionary, says a difficult or awkward situation from which it is hard to extract oneself. Or another definition is a predicament. And so uh, when we're in a fix, that means that we're in a, a bad situation, something that ought not be, something that we don't like. It's either, a, a, you know, it can be an awkward thing or it can be some kind of a difficult situation or a test or a trial. And so these things come against us in life. Very often in life, we find ourselves in a fix of some kind. Does it mean that we're in dire straits? It might mean we're in dire straits. It might mean that we're in some kind of a serious trouble or it can be that we're just in a persistent situation that just keeps nagging us and, and hitting us and we just don't seem to be able to get away from it and get ourselves free from it. It can be physical. It can come in the form of persistent uh, chronic uh, physical conditions, disease, or sickness—whether they're whether they're uh, you know very serious illnesses or just pesky little things that just continue to to uh, harass us—it can be in the emotional realm. You can be you know you can find yourself in a in a difficult situation emotionally. You can be suffering from depression or or uh, other kinds of anxiety. It can be a, a financial situation that you find yourself in that you're just in a fix, and it's it's like you can't seem to extract yourself from it. Well, I'm going to tell you tonight how to get out of the fix you're in. Amen? Glory to God. How many of you have been in a fix before? I've been in a fix more than once. Amen? Glory to God. Well, first of all, it's good to find out why you're in a fix. Amen? That's usually the first step. Usually the first step, the most important step is where am I and then why am I where I am. You know, there are very often a lot of contributing factors as to why we're in the situation we're in. It's usually not just one thing. It's, it can be a number of different things. And uh, some of these things of our, are, uh, are of our own doing. Now, come on, you can, be, uh, you can amen better than that. Amen. We all know that sometimes we get in situations and, you know, we're there because of mistakes we've made, decisions we've made, or failure to do certain things, and we find ourselves in a difficult situation. Sometimes we're in a fix because of what others have done. And we really didn't have any control over what they did, but what they did affected us, and it put us in a fix. And, uh, and sometimes it's just the devil. Well, I thought I'd get more amens than that. You all are bothered by the devil every now and then, I'm, a guess, I'm guessing. But you know, in, in any situation, the devil's behind all of it. Even if you did do wrong, the devil's still behind it. Because he tempted you. He persuaded you. You say, well, my flesh got me into trouble. But, but the devil put pressure on your flesh. See, because on, born again, people want to do right. But flesh 
come, the, the enemy has access to our flesh sometimes. And, well, a lot of times. Well, well, all the time, okay? The devil has access to our flesh. And, and he'll put pressure on us and, and push us in a direction that we know we ought not go, but because we're not strong spiritually, if a person is not strong, they'll more readily give in to the flesh. The stronger a Christian is, the more uh, ability they have to stand against the wrong impulses of the flesh and do what is right. So it pays to be strong in the Lord, to be strong spiritually. But uh, sometimes believers find themselves uh, sort of behind the, the eight ball. You know, Jesus said that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. So if they're stealing, killing, or destroying in your life, killing doesn't have to mean killing a person. You know, it can be killing your aspirations, killing your dreams, killing your, uh, the, the plan that God has for you. Anything that steals from you, anything that, that uh, kills what God wants in your life and puts a stop to it, anything that destroys the plan of God in your life, the enemy is ultimately behind it. You know, Jesus, uh, the Bible says concerning Jesus that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That means that everybody Jesus healed was oppressed of the devil. Their sickness was an oppression of the evil one. Isn't that right? Now, you, that I noticed this. I've looked through the Gospels. I've read the Gospels many, many times, and I've studied the healing ministry of Jesus, and I never found anybody where Jesus went up and started to heal them, and he said, wait a minute. Your diet's not right. Your problem is you don't eat enough vegetables. Come on now. Is it important to have a good diet? Yes, it is. Is it important to eat right? Sure it is. And I know that generally speaking, the Mediterranean diet and the diet of the Jews and, and what they were eating back then is probably way healthier than what most of us eat today. Given that, I understand that. But at the same time, of the multitudes that came to him, wasn't there one person there who liked sweets? Come on. <laughs> Wasn't there one person there who didn't like, uh, what are some of the vegetables in the New Testament? I don't know. Is there somebody there that didn't like that and didn't eat right? Surely there were. And you know there were people that, that had sickness and, and things in their body because they didn't eat right. No, Jesus never said your problem is is you don't run enough. I'm gonna get you, you get out of this healing line and when you, and when you put in two miles a day for, the, for six months, then you come back to this healing line. Did Jesus ever tell anybody that? No. no. Now, is it good to run? I've heard that it is. <laughs> come on, Diane, it's good to run, isn't it? It's good to run, okay? We know that. And so uh, there are things that, that we do sometimes that has an impact on us but again, Jesus never used that as a disqualifier and, and refused to heal anybody. Come on now. Now, after, after people, Jesus healed people, he did have something to say about their conduct, didn't he? Didn't he tell the woman who was taken? Now, this woman was taken in adultery. And Jesus, when, when all of her distractors and all of her accusers had left, she said, is there no one who condemns you? She says, no one, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn. She was an adulteress. She was caught in the act of adultery. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. 
but go and sin no more. Jesus did have something to say about our conduct, but if we come to him with a pure heart, if we come to him with a repentant heart, if we come to him in our hour of need, even if we have missed it, his mercy is always available and he will always give us the desire of our heart, but he'll have something to say about it afterwards. Isn't that right? I mean, you, you, you can be cheating God and stealing from God and never tithing and you can find yourself in a financial situation. If you'll repent and come to God, God will minister to you. He will bless you. He will help you out of that situation, but he'll say, go and sin no more, lest a worse financial difficulty come on you. Amen. Go and tithe. Amen, that would be sin no more. In other words, do what you know to do because if you don't, he told the man that came to him, he said, go and sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. Well, amen. That's, that's good preaching. No, the enemy is behind a lot of things, but a lot of times we help him. But even when we help him, when we come to the Lord, the Lord is merciful, he's gracious, he will help us out of our situation, Amen. Glory to God. And like I said, there, there, sometimes there are things we're going to have to do differently after the fact. You know the old saying, you've heard it and I've heard it many times. You know, it's the, it's the classic definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. Well, if you keep doing what got you into trouble, you're going to get back into trouble again and Jesus will deliver you again. And if you keep doing what you were doing that got you into trouble again, you'll get into trouble again. And Jesus' Jesus mercy, God's mercy is, is new every morning. Aren't you glad? It's new every morning, but how many of you know that's no way to live? No way to live going from crisis to crisis, from having to get God to bail you out time and time and time again. What happens is you don't wear down the mercy of God, but you wear down your own faith. Amen. Your lack of consistency and, and, and uh, faithfulness will eat away at your confidence before God. It doesn't change God, but it'll hurt you. Well, amen. Well, how do you get out of the, out of the fix you're in? Well, go with me, first of all, there's several things, but go with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, <clears throat> glory to God. Acts chapter 16. <clears throat> now, in this situation, Paul and Silas were in a fix. They weren't there because of something they did. They were there because of something that somebody else did. They were there really because they obeyed God, but then somebody else wasn't obeying God. Have you ever done the right thing and have somebody else stab you in the back, so to speak? Even though you were doing what is right, it ended up costing you because of what somebody else did because somebody else didn't do what they should do. Somebody else didn't obey God. Somebody fought against God. Well, that was what was going on here. But nonetheless, they found themselves in prison, in jail. And it wasn't the Alachua County Jail, which is air-conditioned and has a bed and, and, uh, and three squares a day. This was a terrible prison to be in. It was a dungeon, and uh, it was just awful. And it said, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises. The New King James says hymns, but the word there is praises. They were singing praises to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. What an awesome story. Glory to God. At midnight, 
At midnight, Paul and Silas were not complaining. At midnight, Paul and Silas weren't griping. At midnight, Paul and Silas were not feeling sorry for themselves. At midnight, Paul and Silas weren't plotting against the jailer or against the Romans or discussing how when they got out they were going to sue somebody. Paul and Silas weren't attacking this from the natural standpoint, even though all of those things might have been true and maybe those things would have been justified. but But at midnight, Paul and Silas were doing what they ought to do. They were praying and singing praises to God. Hallelujah. Prayer is good, but prayer works when you join it together with praises. Praying by itself will only take you so far. It said at midnight they were praying and. They weren't just praying, they were praying and singing praises to God. Glory to God. It makes all the difference what you join to your praying. If you're just going to pray and not act according to your prayers, your prayers won't accomplish anything. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, set me free. Oh, God, give me this. Oh, God, give me that. Oh, Lord, heal my body. But if you keep in that mode just asking without acting in faith, you won't get anywhere. They were praying, but they were singing praises to God. What do you think they were praising God for? They were praising God for the, for the answer to what they were praying for. That's what, that's what they're connected. You don't think they were praising God for, for you know, their, their IRAs. What were they praising God for? They were praying and giving praise, singing praise to God because they believed he heard their prayers and they knew if he heard, then they had the thing that they had requested. So they were thanking God for the answer to their prayer. You think they were praying, oh Lord, just help us to survive. Oh Lord, just help us to make it through the night. Lord, give us the strength to, 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 uh, to last as long as we're in here, not die before we get up. You think that's what they were praying? No, they were praying the same thing you were praying. God, get me out of here. They want it out. Surely they were praying, God, deliver us from this jail. Well, what were they thanking God for? They were thanking God. Thank you, Lord, that you've heard us. Glory to God. We are delivered. We are set free. They were, they were praying, and then they were singing praises to God, and they weren't mumbling about it. They didn't have their hands over their mouths like this and whispering in each other's ear. Oh, glory to God. Let's not, let's not disturb anybody. Let's not embarrass anybody, particularly ourselves, and let's just be real quiet about this. It says the prisoners heard them. All through that dungeon, the prisoners were listening to them because they were praising God, praying and praising God unashamedly. They weren't afraid of what, uh, of what somebody thought of them. They weren't concerned. I tell you what, if you're concerned about what people think of you, it'll limit your faith. I said if you're concerned about what people think about you, it will, it will hinder your faith. You, sometimes there are situations where you have to be bold in the face of everybody around you. I remember back several years ago when, when Bruce and Cindy Black, you know, Cindy Black was with us over the weekend. A number of years ago, they were pastoring in Florida. And uh, Greg called me, and, and Greg was working for them at that time. He lived in Jacksonville, and he was working with their youth in their church. And he called me, and he said, uh, Dad, he said, Pastor, Pastor uh, uh, Bruce is in a terrible situation. He's, he's got uh, a, a terrible condition physically. They were wanting to take his leg off or his foot off, and uh, he might die. I mean, it was just he had a, a, a sore that hadn't healed for a long, long time. And so uh, he was in the hospital, and they said he's slipping in and out of consciousness. And the doctors are saying they don't know if he'll make it. And so, you know, would you pray? 
And, you know, I want you to pray for him. You know, Cindy wants you to pray. And I said, surely I will. I'll pray for him right now. And so we prayed, and, and then the, the Holy Ghost witnessed to me. He said, you need to get in your car and drive over there and be with them. So I got there at the hospital, and, and Bruce's mom was there, and, and, and Cindy was there, and that, those are the only two people who were there with Bruce. Bruce was in, uh, you know, back at, you know, in, in, the, in, in, in surgery, and uh, Cindy was out there with his, her mother-in-law, and they were in the lobby. And, uh, and, you know, they were trying to hold on, but you could see they had been there all night. They'd been there, this, they'd been fighting this, and just no change, no change. Bad report. You know, the doctors do, they'll come out and they'll, they'll start in stages giving you warnings, you know, that they might die and, and, and because they are, they're expecting that person to die. So they kept coming out and giving them reports like, you know, we're doing our best, but, you know, nothing's changing here and we just don't know if we can hold him, you know, keep him alive. And, and, and I could see that all over them. And, you know, we were in a, uh, uh, the, the, they didn't have a private waiting room, a place you could go. Sometimes hospitals have that. But right outside this surgery suite, there was just a, uh, like a, there was a big corridor with an alcove. And in that alcove were double doors that went back into the surgery area. On either side of those double doors were, were a couple of benches. I don't think, I think it might have been a sofa and a couple of chairs on either side of that door. But it was, it was an area of traffic. People were walking in and out of those doors and up and down the corridor. There was no privacy. And, uh, and so I said, you know what, let's get up. We're going to start praising God. We're going to, because they were just sitting there quietly, you know, praying in other tongues. I said, we're going to get up and we're going to start praising God. And I know you guys have prayed. I've prayed. We believe in God for a miracle. We're going to start acting like a miracle is ours. I, like Bruce is about to come out of those doors. So we lifted our hands, you know, and I got them lifting their hands and praising God out loud. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what? People were walking by us, but you know what? In a situation like that, you can't care. You can't worry about the prisoners hearing you. You've got to get where you, it's you and God, and you don't care what anybody thinks. And we started praising God out loud. And then I said, you know what? Let's just start laughing. Let's just, I, the Holy Spirit just prompted me. I said, let's just laugh. We're just going to laugh. Now, we, none of us felt like laughing. There wasn't anything funny going on, and, and, and there was no emotion that would, that would lead us to want to laugh, but we just made ourselves laugh because we were laughing at the devil. We said, devil, you're a liar. You think you're killing Bruce. Pastor Bruce, you're not taking him out. He's going to walk out of here. He's healed and delivered. Glory to God, and we're laughing at the devil. And so we just raised our hands, and we started laughing. Ha, 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 ha. Well, Oh, <laughs> you know, people thought we were crazy. They had to have because nurses were going in and out of those double doors and we're standing right beside those doors, you know, on one side or another. Nurses are going in and out. Other people are coming up and down that corridor, you know, and they're going in those doors. And here are these people out there with their hands in the air laughing at the devil. Oh, devil, you're a liar. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for delivering my, my brother. You're a, you're a liar, devil. We're laughing at you. See, sometimes you have to really mean what you mean. Amen. Now, there's no, there's, no, uh, there's no bonus in being loud or obnoxious or offending people. That's not the point. But if the devil can push you into a corner and make you feel embarrassed and, and intimidated where you can't really lift your voice, sometimes you just have to kick that thing down the street and just say, no, sir, I'm not going to put up with that. I'm getting out of this mold. Amen. And so the prisoners heard us. Glory to God. And, and, and suddenly it says here there was a great earthquake so that the foundation 
foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. Notice not only their chains got loose, everybody's chains got to loose. All the doors flew open, glory to God. Well, the doctor came out, we did this for a while, I don't know, maybe an hour, maybe longer than an hour. It was a while. We just praised God, we just thanked God out loud, laughed at the devil, just rejoiced that the Bible is true, the word of God is true, every word of God is sure and steadfast and, and, and thank you Jesus and finally the doctor came out and he said well we've got him stabilized and we just laughed and thank God glory to God he's more than stabilized doctor he's walking out of here we told the doctor he's walking out of here you mark our words he is a healed man he's coming out of here the doctor just looked at us went back in the back a little while later he come back out and he said well he said I, I, I think he's going to make it we said we don't think he's going to make it we know he's going to make it and he did make it praise God and he did walk out of there and he's still walking he still has both feet too glory to God hallelujah you can pray your way praise your way out of anything I said you can praise your way out of anything amen prayer and faith if faith is mixed with prayer it's automatically going to come out of your mouth in praises amen glory to God and so we were praying, but we were giving praises, singing praises to God, shouting praises to God, hallelujah. Let's talk a little bit about worshiping the Lord since we're talking about praising God. Turn with me in John to John chapter four. Glory to God. John chapter four, Jesus said to the woman at the well, verse 23, he said, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship, to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus said the time is coming where God is going to require true spiritual worship. What is true spiritual worship? True spiritual worship is that which comes out of your heart unfiltered by what man thinks. Amen, that's true spiritual worship. What comes out of your heart in praise to God, he said the time is coming when, when uh, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such to worship him. It doesn't say God is seeking the worship, he's seeking the worshipers. He is seeking such people. He's seeking such people to worship him. You ever think about that? God is seeking people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, the church has all kinds of ideas about worship. And there's a lot of people talking today about what kind of worship experience they're creating for the, for the congregation. You know, they have their websites and they boast about, you know, we're, we're trying to create a, you know, a certain kind of worship experience. You know, I, I, I think we need to be concerned about what kind of experience God's having from our worship not how we feel about it, not whether it tickles our emotions or makes us feel, you know, one way or another. So they have all of these elaborate things going on to create an atmosphere in people's emotions and in their soulish realm. And they have, and they get people all stirred up with things in the natural realm. And it's all flesh. He said, he said Jesus said, God is looking for people to worship in spirit and in truth. God wants, God, God is looking for an experience when we worship. I said, God is looking for a certain experience that he has, not what we have. Amen. Are you listening to me? It's not so much what we get out of worship, it's what God gets out of worship. 
He's looking for people who will worship in spirit and in truth. That's the atmosphere he's looking for. What is it? It's an atmosphere of the word. It's an atmosphere of faith. It's an atmosphere of people flowing in the Holy Spirit. It's not the praise itself that God's looking for. It's the communion of of faith and of the Holy Ghost. He wants the Holy Ghost to be involved in our worship. Glory to God. And so that day in the hospital, we were worshiping in spirit and in truth. We were worshiping because we were led to worship. We were doing what the Holy Ghost said. <clears throat> you know, I don't, I don't always do that in public. I don't always do any one thing. I do what the Spirit leads me to do. That's the thing. When the Holy Spirit is leading in a certain direction, you need to go with that, and that's worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Amen? <clears throat> he said the Father is seeking people who will worship him like that. The Father gets, the, the experience that God gets out of it is the experience of fellowshipping in the Spirit. See, we're spirit beings, and God is a spirit. And the Holy Spirit uh, lives on the inside of us individually. He also lives on the inside of us collectively as a church. And that, and that fellowship in the Spirit, that's what God's looking for. When we come together in a worship service, like on Sunday morning or Sunday night. Now, now Wednesday night is more of a teaching service than it is a worship service. But when we come together to worship God, God is looking for that fellowship in the Spirit. And that doesn't come by putting on uh, uh, fleshly shows and, and trying to demonstrate some kind of, uh, of, of, of natural uh, 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 enhancement and, you know, and, and all of the natural things that people try to do to, to create some kind of a, of a soulish atmosphere. God's looking for fellowship in the spirit. Amen. Glory to God. Turn with me over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord, in one place. Hallelujah. That's what God, that's, that's the kind of atmosphere God's looking for. I said, that's the kind of atmosphere God's looking for. It said, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now they were there, they had been there for a number of days. And it says in, in chapter 1, verse 14, they continued with one accord in prayer and in supplication. The most important aspect, the most important ingredient when we come together to worship the Lord is being in one accord. That means we need everybody involved. I know how it is. I'm just as human as anybody else. I know what it's like to come to church and just feel like, you know, if I could just be left alone. You know, I'm, Lord, you know, you should be honored. I'm here. You should be blessed that I even showed up. Don't you feel like that sometimes? I know you do. Don't look so innocent. And so you just want to sit there and just, if everybody will just leave me alone, I just want to sit here and think my thoughts. And, if, and, and I know everybody's lifting their hands, but I don't feel like lifting my hands. And everybody has a smile on their face, and I don't feel like smiling. And I just want to be left alone because I deserve what I'm, what I, my little deal that I'm going to have this morning. That's not being in one accord. You're in one accord with the enemy when you do that. Amen. Come on now, you've been there. Just leave me alone. Let me have my little quiet time. Let y'all run the aisle and do whatever you want to. But you know, I'm just not into that today. I'm just not into that. 
And I'm just not all about that right now. Y'all just have your own thing here. And I, next week, if I feel like it, I'll get involved. But this morning, you know, just leave me alone. Well, God's looking for the church to come together in one accord where we all put our flesh under. That's, that is nothing in the world but flesh. And I'm, and I'm well experienced with it because it happens to me sometimes. You think, as the pastor that happens? Yeah, that happens. There was a period of time, and nobody knew about this at the time, there was a period of time in the 1980s and early 90s, I think later, later uh, late 80s, I suppose, more accurate. There was a period of time in, in when we were in the old church, there were times when I preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Service after service. And you remember that up on the platform they had a door on this side and a door on that side? Nobody knew what I was doing. And you don't, you don't, I know you won't remember this, but I did this a number of times, not just once, I'm talking about many times. While I was preaching, I would turn around and look at that door over my right hand shoulder. And I would think to myself, I'm just going to walk back to that pulpit. I'm going to gather my stuff. I'm not going to say a word to anybody. I'm not going to finish my sentence. I'm just going to take my, take my stuff and I'm going to walk out that door. I'm going to go down those stairs. I'm going to get in my car and I'm just going to leave. And just leave everybody sitting there. And they're going to say, well, where did he go? And after a few minutes, somebody will come look and they'll say, well, he left. I mean, that's what I felt like doing. Not once, many times. I, while I was preaching, I would look over my right. I mean, I'd turn like this. I'd look at that door and I'd think, and then I'd start laughing to myself. I, and nobody in the congregation knew what I was laughing at or what I was thinking. You all thought I was just, you know, really into my message. I was really preaching. I'm thinking, I know what I'm going to do because these deadheads are sitting here not paying attention. Half of them are asleep. The other half don't care even though they are awake. I'm going to go right out that door and I'm going to get in my car and I'm just going to leave and just leave them sitting there and they can just figure it out themselves. So I'm well acquainted with flesh. It happens to preachers just like it does to anybody else. Amen. But how many of you know that's, that's not having the right attitude? I would start laughing at myself at how absurd that is. I would think, are you kidding me? That's it. And, but I would have that same thought the next service. I'd start laughing. I'd hear that crazy thought is, and I'd start laughing at myself, and then I'd just go back and focus on what I was talking about. Sometimes you have to laugh at the devil, and you have to say, that is absurd. I'm not going, I'm not going along with that. You, listen, when you're sitting in church and you're feeling like that, leave me alone. You know, you just ought to be, you ought to just consider yourself fortunate that I even graced you with my presence today. When you start thinking that way, you need to start laughing at yourself. You need to realize how ridiculous, how absurd that is, how, 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 how uh, uh, unscriptural it is, and, and, and in unspiritual it is. You need to start laughing at yourself and saying, no, that's stupid. I'm not going to be that way. Stir yourself up like I did. You say, well, you're in the pulpit. You had to do it. Don't test me. <laughs> don't test me. Hey, man, I don't have to do anything. Glory to God. No, you, you can get yourself up by the, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and say, no, I'm not going to yield to that, that, that carnality. I'm not going to let my flesh dominate me. I'm going to get into what God's doing. I'm going to put my whole heart into it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, uh, thank God and praise and lift my hands and worship with a pure heart just like everybody is. And you say, well, what if you don't feel like it? It has nothing to do with feelings. It has nothing to do with feelings. It has to do with what you know here on the inside to be true. And you respond on the inside because you know what is true. That's worshiping in spirit and in truth. Amen. Glory to God. 
Those, it says in, in, where's my Bible? In the day of Pentecost, they were all in one accord, in one place. Glory to God. It's good to be in one accord and it's good to be in one accord and it, and it, makes, it makes a difference where you are. They were in one place. They weren't scattered all over town. Amen. They weren't staying at home thinking, well, I can listen to this sermon next week on the internet. You know, I've wondered about this many times. What about, you know, the Bible says that, that Jesus appeared to over 500 brethren during the 40 days before he ascended into heaven. He appeared alive in person to over 500 brethren at one time. That's not talking about other, uh, other occasion. On one occasion, he appeared to, you look it up. It's in, in, in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. He appeared to over 500 brethren at one time. And that's just the brethren. Didn't count the cistern. <laughs> Didn't count the sisters or the, or the other family members. 500 brethren. And on the day of Pentecost, only 120 showed up. Where in the world was everybody else? Well, you know where they were. They were, that's what Angela said, fleshing out. It, it, it pays to be in one accord in the right place. Amen. It was, I'm, I'm telling you, 10 days had passed after Jesus had, had, had ascended into heaven. 10 days. 10 days. And they lost nearly 80% of the crowd. 10 days days. No wonder Jesus said, can you not watch with me for one hour? To his choice apostles, Peter, James, and John, not Bartholomew and, and all of the others and Thaddeus and all, but Peter, James, and John couldn't even last. And Jesus come back and kicked them and said, are you guys sleeping again? Can you not even wait with me, watch with me one stinking, he didn't say stinking, but I am, one stinking hour. Well, 10 days had passed and 80% of the crowd stayed home. My, my, my. I'm feeling better about Sundays. I don't know about you. <laughs> the day of Pentecost had fully come. Listen, it doesn't matter who isn't here. It matters who is here. Amen. They were in the one accord only applied to the people who showed up. The people who, sh who didn't show up, they weren't counted in this number. They weren't, they weren't even considered. The scripture has nothing. They got nothing. I said, they got nothing. They received zero from the Lord this day. The day of Pentecost had come. They were all, about 120, with one accord in one place. I tell you what. Don't, when you come to church, I know the psychology. I know what when we have a, a weekend, maybe it's a holiday weekend or something where a lot of people are on vacation, like in, we have sometimes in the summer, you come in and it just looks like nobody's here. I know, what did you say tonight? What did you say? And Dan said something about, uh, looks like a, it's good to see you tonight. What did you say? Oh, you said something about, about visitors. He said, what did he say? Yeah, he said something about visitors. She said, I don't see any visitors. I don't even see a lot of our regular people. Where's everybody at tonight? See, that can eat on you. You can come in and you can feel like, well, there's nobody here. Must not be anything going on. You know, there's nobody here. Nobody's in. Well, you're here. Amen, you're here. 
I don't think that's what they thought on the day of Pentecost. I don't think they were concerned with who wasn't there. I think their only only interest was receiving from God themselves. They were in one accord in prayer and supplication. And in what the people who weren't there didn't matter, the people who were there did matter. I started to say, if you don't don't want to matter, stay home. But I, I don't want you to stay home. I want you to come to church, but I want you to matter when you get here. Amen. I I want you to come but be in one accord. In other words, get in the flow. Amen. Put your flesh under. Put your flesh under. And and if you have to laugh at yourself three times in a service like I did and say that you crazy thoughts, you you crazy thoughts, just get out of my mind. I'm going to lift my hands just like we did that day in the hospital. People were laughing at us, I guess. I don't know what they thought. But you know, we had to put that away. We had to put that under because we were after something. When you come to church, if you're after something, you'll go for it. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Said there suddenly came a sound from heaven, a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Ooh, glory to God. You know what? I wonder what really would happen if we'd get everybody in one accord. Can you imagine a service where every single person in the building is in one accord? Nobody's fleshing out. Nobody's thinking about other things. Everybody is worshiping and pulling on the anointing and, 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 and just got their heart and their whole being into what God's doing in that service. I wonder what would happen. Glory to God. We look at this and we say, well, you know, it was wonderful what God did back then. If we could just have God move some way somehow today. If God in his sovereignty would see fit to move with a mighty rushing wind. Oh, the building shook in Acts chapter 4. If we can ever have God move in such a way that the very building shakes, we'll have something to testify about. God's looking for something to testify about. He's looking for, he's wanting to say, I found a church that met on Sunday morning and they were all in one accord. Glory to God. I'm telling you, I think heaven would stand up at attention at such a church like that where everybody's in one accord. Everybody's uh, connected. Everybody's flowing. Everybody is, is pulling on the anointing of God. Everybody's hungry. Everybody's being obedient. Hallelujah. There appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them. And they didn't start swatting the fire off and resisting it. No, they yielded to that. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They'd never seen anything like that before in their life, but they yielded to it. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. It doesn't say God took them over. It doesn't say God made them speak. It doesn't say the tongues of fire, you know, got under the seat of their pants and made them shout and jump. It said tongues of fire appeared and sat upon each one of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they yielded to the Holy Ghost and began to speak. Hallelujah. Yeah, I tell you, it makes all the difference in the world how we respond to the Spirit's moving or to what the Holy Ghost is doing when we come together. Well, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And it says they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Well, you know, this is something that just doesn't belong to the day of Pentecost. This is God's pattern that when people begin to be filled with the Spirit, they begin to speak with other tongues. 
You turn over to Acts chapter 10, you see it there. I know you're familiar with it, but I never tire of reading these verses. Acts chapter 10, verse number 44, while Peter was still speaking, these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. And those of the circumcisions, those Jews who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnifying God. I tell you what, this is worshiping in spirit and in truth. Worshiping the new way. Anybody can sing hymns that were written in the 16th, 17th century, the 18th century. Anybody can do that. That's wonderful. Not against all those things. But I tell you what, New Testament worship is worshiping in spirit and in truth. Speaking in other tongues is, a, is an integral part of New Testament worship. Amen. It said they spoke in tongues and magnified God. The best way to praise God. The most effective, it's not the only way, but the most effective way to worship God is to worship in the spirit. Jesus said, I, the Father is seeking such to worship him in spirit and in truth. Don't you think worshiping him in spirit is, has something to do with the Holy Spirit? Sure it does. Worshiping in the spirit. Paul said, if I pray in other tongues, my spirit Praise. There's something about worshiping the Lord by the utterance of the Holy Spirit. They, they, they worship, they praised God and magnified God in other tongues. Let's go over to the 19th chapter of the book of Acts and look at it. Hallelujah. In verse number six, it says, when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. I tell you what, God is looking for a spirit-filled church. God is looking for a spirit-filled church. What is a spirit-filled church? A spirit-filled church is not a church who has a, whose doctrine says we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That does not make a spirit-filled church. A spirit-filled church is a church that's full of the Spirit. Not a church that believes in being full, filled with the Spirit. Not a church that used to believe in being filled with the Spirit. Not a church that, that, that endorses being filled with the Spirit. But a church that assembles together and allows the Holy Spirit to fill them that particular day in the Spirit. In other words, when we get together and we come together, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit as a body of believers, as a group of believers, not just as individuals. It's wonderful that I'm filled with the Spirit and you're filled, you're filled with the Spirit. But God wants to fill all of us with the Holy Ghost when we come together. How does that happen? By being in one accord, by worshiping in other tongues. Glory to God. Amen. That's the plan of God for us. Go over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Ephesians chapter 5. In verse number... 15, it says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Some people are always wringing their hands. Oh, if I just knew the will of the Lord for my life. Well, I can tell you what the will of the Lord is for your life, and that's to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's the will of God for your life. He said, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not be drunk with wine. Instead, he said, which is, in which is dissipation, instead be drunk with the Spirit. Isn't that what he said? Do not be drunk with wine 
in which is in, in, in which is dissipation, but or instead be filled with the Spirit. Just like people are filled with wine, instead of being filled with wine, be filled with the Spirit. Instead of being high on, on alcohol, be high on the Holy Ghost. Instead of being drunk with what this world has to offer, be drunk on what the Holy Ghost is offering. Amen. Glory to God. I was talking to this preacher not long ago and, and, and he said something about drinking. And I said, well, you know, I, I drink a little bit myself. He said, you do? I said, yeah, I go down to Joel's bar quite regularly. I go to Joel's bar. He said, no, you know, he didn't catch it. And he said, this is just like a couple of weeks ago. And he said, really? I said, you know, I saw he didn't get it. I said, you know, in, in Joel chapter 2, says in the last days he'll pour his spirit out. I said, I go to Joel's bar regularly and I drink. Oh, he said, I, he said, I was wondering about you. <laughs> Amen. We, we need to drink regularly at Joel's bar. Glory to God. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but instead be drunk on the spirit. Oh, glory to God. Does God want us to go through life sober? No. He wants us to go through life drunk in the Holy Ghost, just so full of the Spirit that, 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 that when people walk around you and look at you, they think that person is intoxicated. I'm sure that's what they thought that day in that hospital. Those people must be drunk, standing outside of a, of a hospital a, you know, surgery suite door and laughing at, at, at the, the, the devil. I mean, we were just saying it. Devil, you're a liar. We're laughing at you, people walking by. You know what? Sometimes you have to be willing to get a little drunk. Amen. Amen. Get a little beyond what's natural and what people are accustomed to. Amen. If God's in it. I'm talking about if God's in it. I'm not talking about just putting on something. But he said we are to be drunk in the Holy Ghost. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Speaking to one another in Psalms. Hi. Hi. Let us all stand up. Semelakia to Dea. Just lift your hands and begin to praise God. This is a teaching night, but now. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Tomorrow. 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 Who does tomorrow belong to? Does tomorrow belong to those who plan well? Does tomorrow belong to those who have plenty? Does tomorrow belong to those who are wise in the things of this world? No, those are not the ones that hold the key to tomorrow. Tomorrow belongs to those who do know their God. Belongs to those who know how to worship him. Belongs to those who know how to lift his voice up and proclaim his name and declare what's right in the face of everything that's wrong. Anything in tomorrow, anything that's coming tomorrow, anything that belongs to tomorrow that might come that's contrary to the ways of God. Tomorrow belongs to those who know how to respond with the word and who know how to respond with the spirit who know how to respond by the leading of the Holy Ghost tomorrow belongs to them and they'll rejoice in it hallelujah <laughs> glory to God 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 hallelujah 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 oh glory to God what about today <laughs> what about today is the day far spent 
Is it too far gone? Is your today too far over and there's no way to redeem it? No, today is the day that the Lord has made. It's a day of deliverance. It's a day of answer. It's a day of conquest. It's a day of the authority and dominion of God being exercised by those who know how to take it and act on it. Today belongs to those who know how to listen and obey the voice of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Yesterday. Yesterday is gone and needs to be forgotten. Yesterday has no hold on those who live in today's economy. Yesterday has no power on those who look to the future and know what God has said and those who plan and know to walk in the provision of God. Yesterday has no power on those who will not hold on to it. So give yesterday no thought. Turn your back on the things of yesterday. Turn your back on the, de- on the defeat of yesterday, the discouragement, uh, discouragement of, other day, of yesterday and the voices from yesterday that try to come back into this realm. Say, no, you don't. You're not coming and taking over my peace. You're not coming and taking over my life. What is yesterday is gone and I've forgotten it and I'm looking to the bright new future that I have today and I'll walk in tomorrow. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Whew, glory. Glory. Hallelujah. I tell you what, victory belongs to those who know how to worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So when we come in here, don't be one of those that makes your pastor look over his shoulder. (laughs) I'm going to do that once in a while just to see if y'all know what I'm... Hallelujah. Come in here on Sunday morning ready. I mean, come in when there's nobody in the building. It looks like everybody stayed home. And just kick your heels up and say, oh, glory to God. There's nobody here but me. Praise God. Easy to be in one accord when it's just me. <laughs> Somebody else walks in, just click and say, you in one accord? If you're not, you better leave. Glory to God. Amen. Come in here, and I mean determined. You're going to get everything. You're going to squeeze everything God has for that service right out. I mean, you're going to lay hold of everything. Amen? One accord, Sunday morning. Do it again Sunday night. Amen. Do it again Monday night. Do it again Wednesday night. Glory to God. I'm telling you, what we see in the book of Acts is just a, is just a small sampling. It's just a suggestion of what can happen in a service. I said it's just a suggestion of what might happen in a service. Oh, glory to God. God has bigger things than we've ever seen before. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.